Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, and our free 633 event when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 called Prophecy, Church, and Tongues. Thirdly, it consoles. Now, we already said console, but it, this is a different word. It's called paramuthia. And this is a neat word because it denotes a real tenderness. I don't know that I've ever thought of prophecy in that way, that prophecy can be tender. Oftentimes, we think of prophecy as the warnings that we get, right? The guy in the street corner who says he's a prophet and he's warning you all that you're going to hell if you don't accept Christ. Um, that's not too comforting, That's not too consoling. That's not too tender. But prophecy can be tender as well. So verse 4. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Verse 5. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. So look, Paul is not discouraging the use of tongues at all here. But he's just going to explain in these next few verses why prophecy is considered a greater gift in the church. And he does bring the one exception, and that is when there is interpretation. And I've been in services where there has been tongues and there's been proper interpretation. Sometimes in a known language, which is always nice because then we can be sure if the interpretations, right? We ask a person who speaks that language, but other times in an unknown language. Now, when I've taught the class in spiritual gifts, this question always comes up, and it's really a good question. The question is, okay, if tongues only edifies the person, I thought all the spiritual gifts are supposed to edify the whole body. So how is that considered really a spiritual gift? That's a really good question. And I think there's two ways that that question is answered. Number one is, if a person uses the gift of tongues, they're they're praying through the Spirit, not through their intellect, but if you talk to people who have done that, it's a really refreshing thing in their life. They know that whatever came out, even though they don't know what it is, that it was directed by the Holy Spirit and that God will answer that prayer. So what happens to that person? They get built up. They get encouraged. Now remember, each of us, And there's a chapter on this that Peter wrote about. There were all living stones in this building that's being built up. That's one way to look at the body of Christ. Well, you know, if the stone next to you is all fired up for the Lord because of their experience in tongues that they've just had maybe in their prayer time, they're going to encourage you, right? Whenever one person in the body is built up, they're going to encourage another person. So in that way, it does edify to the body, not directly, but in an indirect way. Number two is when there's interpretation. Because when there's interpretation, what you're going to hear, and another way of knowing is this really it, you're going to hear praises and exaltation of God. When man speaks to God through the Spirit, it's going to be praising and exalting God. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. What those men were hearing in their own language, it says in Acts chapter 2, they said, We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. 
And hey, when people are around you speaking of the mighty deeds of God, whether it's in tongues or in English as we're, as we're worshiping here this morning, doesn't that encourage you? Doesn't that build you up? And so that's how it can build you up. But Paul goes on in verse 6, and he says, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will it profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? So in other words, look, if I came in here today and I stood up here behind this pulpit and I started saying, shit about a Honda, shit about a Toyota, that's what you do when you want to pretend to speak in tongues? Sorry. Sorry, Lord. But if I came here just speaking that over and over and over you, what would it profit you? It would profit you zero. And that's what Paul is trying to say here. And he illustrates in a really interesting way. He says in verse 7, Yet even lifeless things, either flute or harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or harp? For if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle. You see, language is all about communication, right? And even instruments can communicate. I think when you think back in the ancient times, you think of the shofar, and they blew the shofar. I wish Brenda was here to blow it. She's pretty good at it. And, and they blow that shofar, and different tones meant different things. One would be to prepare for battle. One would be for rest. One would be the call to come together as a congregation. Um, how many military guys we have in here? Raise your hand if you served in the military. Okay, awesome. We love you guys. Yeah, you can clap for them. When you hear the sound of reveille in the morning, you know what that means to do. And when you hear the sound of taps in the evening, you know what that means to do. It communicates. And Paul says even lifeless things can communicate if we have agreed upon the meaning of those things. And that's really what language is. So he says in verse 9, So also you, unless you utter by tongue, by the tongue, speech that is clear, how will it be known what's spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world, and no kind is without meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be to the one who speaks a barbarian, and the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. So those of you that travel a lot, you know when you're maybe in the airport of a foreign country and everybody's speaking a different language and you don't know any of it? You know how that feels? It feels really strange, doesn't it? They're speaking into the air as far as you're concerned. And oftentimes I felt that way even when I was teaching because we had so many languages spoken at our schools. You know, kids would be talking. I don't know what they're, they're talking except, unfortunately, I learned their cuss words real early so I could catch them when they did it, okay? But you, you feel very strange when that happens. And, of course, half the time when I was speaking to them, they must have thought I was speaking in the air because they never did what I told them. So I don't know. Maybe I was speaking in tongues to them, but... It's weird when you're standing around, people are speaking a different language. And that experience is true if you're in a service and people are speaking in tongues. That can seem really strange, really weird to you. You, you, you feel like they're a barbarian to you. 
So in verse 12, he says, So also, since you're zealous of spiritual gifts, and by the way, he's saying this as a positive thing, not a negative thing. They were zealous in Corinth for spiritual gifts. Not always with the right motivation, however. But he says, so also you seek to abound for the edification of the church. If you're going to be jealous for gifts, seek those gifts that are going to edify the church. That's what Paul is saying to them. And he says, don't bother seeking a gift for your own exaltation. Now in Corinth, many of the people who demonstrated the gift of tongues considered themselves more spiritual than those that didn't. Does that sound familiar to any of you? Have any of you been through that experience? It's rampant in the church today where people question your relationship if you don't speak in tongues. They go, I'm not sure you're really saved. Or, well, you might be saved, but let me tell you, you just haven't been baptized in the Spirit yet. And Don't raise your hand. But I know some of you have experienced that because you've told me that. And I've experienced that. For all those years I was praying for the gift of tongues, I had people going, well, I just don't think you're baptized in the Spirit. And I'm going, well, God better hurry up and do it because I'm in the pulpit teaching, so I think you better do something here. That's false teaching. That's unbiblical. And in fact, what is the main evidence that you've been baptized in the Spirit? We already mentioned it. What is it? It's love. If you haven't been baptized in the Spirit, you can't love. Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, demonstrated in peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Isn't it interesting? In Galatians 5, it doesn't say the fruit of the Spirit is tongues. Not in that list. So I'm going to go with Galatians 5 and say, no, that's not the evidence that you've been baptized in the Spirit. It's a gift that God gives. And no one should feel more superior because they have that gift. In fact, I think it's interesting because Paul, and he's going to do this in a minute, is going to correct the church for their wrong use of gifts because they were interrupting each other with their gift of tongues or even their gift of prophecy. And they were out of order. And I would consider a person who came into a church service and was out of order if anything, a little less mature in their belief than a person that doesn't have the gift of tongues. Some of you have been in those church services. Some of you walked into a church service. They were all speaking in tongues at the same time. And some of you, like me, have turned and walked the other way <laughs> when you've seen that. I've got great stories, but I don't have time to, to tell you this morning of experiences like that. So it's critical that we don't buy into the fact that you know, you're more spiritual if you have this gift. That's not what Paul says at all. Verse 13, Therefore, let the one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. And remember I said, your spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So those that say, well, no, no, you're not supposed to ever bypass your intellect. Sorry. Verse 14 of 1 Corinthians says, if you pray in a tongue, that's exactly what you do. And Paul encourages you to pray in tongues. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the mind also. There you go. That's the balance that we're to have as Christians. I'll pray with the Spirit, and I'll pray with the mind also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the mind also. Does that mean people sing in tongues? Yes, it does. 
Have you seen it and go, that's weird. Yes, it seems that way. But you can do that. Should you do it together in a congregation? I'm not sure on that one. You'll hear more from Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook in a moment. Well, folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and here I am <laughs> needing to talk to you about our budget. I know it's almost tax time and all that stuff, but, you know, Walk in Truth is a radio ministry. We've stepped out in faith. We get a large amount of support from our own church congregation, and many of you have stepped up recently to come on board as monthly partners. You've reached out to us to get the monthly gift, and You've, you've been praying for us and expressing your appreciation, and we're excited about what the Lord is doing. But we're at our fiscal year, which begins April 1st, and we have a large radio budget that we're wanting to expand. But where we are right now is we're going to have to make some tough decisions about where we're going to continue to broadcast unless we get some more support. So here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to be praying. I'd like to ask you if you've been considering supporting us to do it now. You can do it at walkintruth.com. And if you'd like to find out details about what our specific needs are, would you call us at 844-48-TRUTH? And we'd love to share with you. Do that during normal business hours, 844-48-TRUTH. I'd like to say this is not my favorite topic, but it is the reality. Radio time does cost, and we do need to be good stewards over what God is entrusting to us. So please reach out to us today, walkintruth.com. 844-48-TRUTH. Be praying, and we appreciate you very much. God bless you. Now, back to Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook on Walk in Truth. You know, you're more spiritual if you have this gift. That's not what Paul says at all. Verse 13, Therefore, let the one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. And remember I said, your spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So those that say, well, no, no, you're not supposed to ever bypass your intellect. Sorry. Verse 14 of 1 Corinthians says, if you pray in a tongue, that's exactly what you do. And Paul encourages you to pray in tongues. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the mind also. There you go. That's the balance that we're to have as Christians. I'll pray with the Spirit, and I'll pray with the mind also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the mind also. Does that mean people sing in tongues? Yes, it does. Have you seen it and go, that's weird? Yes, it seems that way. But you can do that. Should you do it together in a congregation? I'm not sure on that one. I guess if the worship leader says to do it, you could do it. I wouldn't do that even if I had the gift, but certainly as I was home in my prayer time, I would do that as God led, if he blessed me with that gift. I'll sing with the Spirit, and I'll sing with the mind also. We need both, don't we? We need both. We see here that twice Paul connects tongues to prayer. And I think this is the key to using tongues correctly in the body of Christ today. Paul speaks about it in prayer. And I believe after all my time of study of this, and, and I'll show you a little bit more in a minute, that it's really best to use the gift of tongues in your private time of prayer. I think that's what Paul's trying to get at. It's not that much benefit in a church service unless there's an interpreter, but he's, he's connecting it to prayer. And most people that I know that have that gift, that's when they use it in their private prayer time. 
Some people call it my prayer language. That's fine, whatever you want to call it. Now, if you would quickly turn to Romans chapter 8, not far away here. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. I just want you to look at these two verses with me. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Paul says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, there are teachers who say that doesn't have anything to do with tongues. And again, I'm not going to argue with them about that, but I believe that this is actually, and I would call this the gateway to the use of tongues. Because you get in a place, and have you been there? Where you're in prayer, and I've been there, and some of you probably are right now with all these tragedies that are happening, or tragedies that happen in your life, and you get praying, and and you get to this point, and and you go, God, I don't even know what to ask. I don't know what to say. I can't express. You ever been there? I've been there many times. What says that when we get to that, that the Spirit will intercede. Now, it doesn't say you're going to speak in tongues. You might. But the Spirit will intercede for you and pray for you. Isn't that wonderful? God, I don't know what to pray, but I'm just going to allow you right now. And I have done that. And you know the groanings? That's the only, if you want to call that tongues. But there's times when I literally groan. And there's other times where just, you know, in my mind, I'm like, God, I'm just letting you take over. I'm going to be quiet. Would you pray through me? Would you intercede in here? I don't know what to say. And I know, I can't guarantee you if you do that and you get to that place and you say, so Lord, would you use this gift of tongues? Do that, ask for it. And God may give that to you, but he also may not. But what you can be guaranteed is if when you ask God to intercede into your prayer, he will intercede into your prayer. Isn't that an awesome thing? So I believe that's the gateway. Romans chapter 8. But Paul, again, is going to urge here that in a gathering of believers, it's a little bit different. And he says in verse 16, Otherwise, if you bless in the Spirit only, so maybe you're in a gathering of believers and you just start doing that, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen at your giving of thanks since he does not know what you're saying? For you're giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. Now look, This is really good policy. If people are praying, and oftentimes when you get like, like, you know, sometimes we'll go down to the city and pray, National Day of Prayer and those things, and there'll be a group of people who'll go and they'll all start praying in tongues. And again, I don't want to be critical of them other than this. Why are you doing that? Because I'm standing next to you and you're praying and I don't know what you're saying. Guess what? I am not going to say amen to your prayer. Oh, how can you not say amen to my prayer? Because I don't know what you're praying. And believe me, and I've seen this in churches all over America today, I've seen men stand behind a pulpit speaking English that we all understand and proclaiming heresy in the pulpit and people going, Amen! Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! You've probably seen that on TV. 
because they get all wrapped up in the charisma of the man and their eloquence of their speaking, and they're not even paying attention. Might as well be speaking in tongues because you're not paying attention to what they're really saying. So it's a good policy if you're in that situation to not say amen unless there's a gift of interpretation. In verse 18, he says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. All right, so is Paul saying, you know, don't speak in tongues? <laughs> I don't think so. How does he know that? I don't know, maybe gift of prophecy, I guess. I don't know. He says, however, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. And I think that's interesting. And I've read that verse and wondered sometimes, Lord, is that why you won't give me the gift? Because you want me to use my mind and instruct. And if that's the case, I'm happy with that. I don't know. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. Now, doesn't it sound reasonable to you that when you're a church service, it's better to speak in words that people understand? Sounds reasonable to me. All right, now, hopefully I can cover all this in these next five verses. And I will say, uh, when I said that this can be a tough chapter, this is, this is part of why it's tough. Um, in fact, these verses have befuddled so many Bible commentators that some of them believe there was actually a copyist error in them, and they try to explain it that way. And, and that could be a possible explanation. I don't agree with that, but let's get to them, and I'll show you why. So verse 21. In the law it is written... By men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to this people, and even so they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So then, and I put in parentheses here in my notes, I would suggest that the then here means in this instance. So then, in this instance, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is a sign not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Therefore, verse 32, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you were mad? And again, some of you have experienced that. But if all prophecy and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he's convicted by all and he is called to account by all. You're listening to Prophecy, Church, and Tongues, Part 2 on Walk in Truth, Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Make sure you subscribe to get our daily devotional called A Step Closer. The devotional is another way to help you dive deeper into the Bible and a step closer to the Lord. Help us equip you and subscribe to the A Step Closer devotional. Visit walkintruth.com to learn more. Now here's Pastor Michael with a word. Well, we've been taking a little bit of time, even as we're in 1 Corinthians 14, to reflect back on the true love uh, messages that we did from 1 Corinthians 13. And by the way, you can catch up on those sermons at walkintruth.com or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Look for the red logo with the pillars and you can listen to all those messages and much, much more. Now, questions come up when we're dealing with our marriage and dealing with love and forgiveness. Well, how do I forgive my spouse when they've hurt me? And then they do it again and again and again. At what point do we say enough is enough? Well, you know, in our relationships, I don't think we're supposed to be a doormat to anybody. But the forgiveness that we practice is the same forgiveness that the Lord has extended to us. 
and that forgiveness is huge and really it's it's endless it's uh it's majestic and, and incredible but if someone has been cheating and lying or maybe they're addicted to something like pornography or alcohol maybe there's uh substance abuse and maybe you feel unsafe there's a lot of variables there and that's usually where you need some help from a pastoral uh staff to know the specifics of your situation. And so this is where you really need to be in fellowship and you really need to uh, talk to somebody who can help you. Now, we'd love to help you with your questions, but you need really your local church pastor to help you with some of these issues. If you do have additional questions that we can help you with, you can reach out to us at contact at walkintruth.com and maybe at least we can become a bridge for you to help you contact at walkintruth.com. You can also write us at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. One more time, it's P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Hey, we'd like to invite you out to our Marriage Matters Conference hosted by our 2B1 Marriage and Family Ministry. It's happening on Friday, March 20th from 7 to 9 p.m., The Church Living Truth behind Walk in Truth is right off the 91 and 15 freeways at 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. We have child care for the evening, and we'd love to have you and love to know that you're coming. Call 844-48-TRUTH to get more information and let us know you're coming. 844-48-TRUTH. Just remember to call during business hours or reach out to us at walkintruth.com. God bless you. We appreciate you. We'll catch you next time. Tune in tomorrow for part three of Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 called Prophecy, Church, and Tongues. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.